0: My identity was so rooted in the LGBT lifestyle. If you'd asked me about myself, one of the first things I would have said was that I was gay.
1: Emily Thomes also would have said that she was a Christian until she was invited to a Bible study that shook up her view of God and of her own sin.
0: What if those Christians, the ones that believe that we're to obey the Bible, what if they're right? What if this is really a problem?
1: Here in the stillness where thoughts are born Here in the frailty we're tattered and torn Tattered and torn When Emily Thomes began reconsidering what the Bible teaches about homosexuality, it put her on a path that would turn her life upside down. Emily is sharing her story on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. My co-host, Jim Kirkland, is off this week. A little later in the episode, you're going to hear Billy Graham teach on what the Bible says about the very kind of dilemma Emily Thomes was facing.
2: Yes, you can have pleasure in sin, in getting drunk on drugs, at a sex orgy. You can have pleasure... But it's short. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. Dead while she lives? Yes, spiritually dead,
1: even while you're physically alive. And that's the condition we are all in until we surrender control of our lives to Jesus Christ. Only then do you really begin to live. We can tell you more about that at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And you'll find a link to that site in the show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories.
0: I grew up believing I was a Christian. Both of my parents professed to be Christians. I went to youth group. I went to church camp in the summer. I understood John 3.16. I knew the gospel in short. I never questioned it.
1: Growing up in a small town in Texas, Christianity was part of the culture. Emily Thomes knew the lingo, and she knew she couldn't tell anyone about the troubling feelings she'd been experiencing since she was a little girl.
0: I started noticing girls when I was really young. Like, my first crushes were girls as a kid. I can't remember not seeing girls in the same way that one ought to see the opposite sex. Well, I grew up in a really small town, and so pretty much everything except homosexuality was fine.
1: Emily kept her same-sex attraction a secret for years.
0: It was totally fine for guys and girls to live together, for people to get drunk, but homosexuality was absolutely not acceptable. So I kept that to myself for a while, knowing that if I ever said it, it would be bad.
1: There came a point as a teenager, though, when Emily no longer kept it to herself.
0: When I was 15, I started hanging out with a girl that was gay. And we eventually started dating. And I probably wouldn't have said it out loud yet still for fear. But she told some people. And at that point, I knew what I'd felt. I knew I'd felt it for a long time. And so whenever I was approached at school and I was asked, I kind of took on the attitude of, yeah, what about it?
1: Emily didn't see a problem with acting on whatever desires she had. She saw plenty of other so-called Christians partying on Saturday and praying on Sunday.
0: I professed to be a Christian, but I wanted to do what felt right to me. What could be wrong with that?
1: Her parents didn't see it that way.
0: When I first came out as being gay, I I got grounded. I told my parents, and they were not okay with it at all. And so I got in trouble, which only caused me to want to rebel all the more. So after that month of being grounded, I just got better at hiding things. And I did that until I was 18 and would get grounded every time a parent found a love letter or anything else or if I said anything on accident about my lifestyle. At 18, I went to my dad and I said, I'm an adult now and I can move out if I want to, it was my senior year, but I'll stay here and I'll keep making good grades and I'll keep texting you when I go places and I'll be home at curfew, but I need to be able to date who I want to date. And he told me no. And so that night I moved out. And I lost my car and a lot of other stuff. But I viewed it as a a civil rights kind of thing. I viewed it like the cause needed people like me to endure and take losses because they were just possessions. And love, what I thought was love, trumped that. So I moved out and didn't have anything but the girl I was with and I was content with that. Once I was out of the house and I had what little structure there I had gone, I dove way further into sin. I didn't have to pretend anymore. I didn't have to watch the words I used or watch how I dressed, so I cut my hair off and started wearing the clothes my brother had had that he would give me. I acted out in every way I ever wanted to. I didn't have a reason not to.
1: Drinking, drugs, partying, women, Emily didn't hold back until she started dating a woman who had two young children.
0: We met in nursing school, and she was in the middle of a divorce, and she had two kids that we raised together for two years. They were five and three, and I never felt out of place. I felt like I had a family that depended on me. I had responsibilities and got to teach and even pray with these kids that I believed I was doing right by
1: Emily and her partner were engaged for a time, but when they eventually broke up, Emily believed she would find another woman to start a family with one day.
0: I was really sad that we broke up, but all the more convinced that my role in life would be to marry a woman and would be to parent children with her. Her as the more mothering person in the relationship and me as a provider.
1: In the meantime, Emily went back to partying.
0: And that was probably my wildest time. I was smoking weed every day, getting drunk a couple times a week, dating a lot of girls.
1: Emily found community and acceptance with her LGBTQ friends, but she never shed her Christian identity.
0: I always figured that God was a lot like me, that he liked the things I liked and didn't like the things I didn't like. So I assumed I was a Christian. I would put God is good, like the hashtag on Facebook. I associated with others, as a Christian, I would quote scripture here and there. I had a cross necklace and very much believed that I was a Christian. That was before I understood anything about His holiness or His righteousness or His justice. My understanding of God was that He was almost a live-and-let-live live kind of God.
1: That live-and-let-live live philosophy was about to be turned upside down.
0: At 22, my aunt asked me to be in a Bible study, and we worked together And we worked for my dad, and it was going to be her and some other women that we worked with. So when she asked me, I didn't really want to do it, but I didn't need to tell her no either. And I didn't have a good reason to, because I was a Christian. So I agreed to go, and because my aunt had talked to me about the lifestyle before, I pretty much expected it to come up pretty early, and I knew I could use that as my justification for not going again. So I figured I'd go. The book that we were studying was an attributes book. So I was learning about like the goodness of God and the holiness of God and the sovereignty of God. And it was things I'd never considered before. For a few nights in a row, I remember laying in bed half asleep and I was asking myself, are you sure this is who you are? At the time, my identity was so rooted in the LGBT lifestyle. If you'd asked me about myself, one of the first things I would have said was that I was gay. And it was the first
1: time I really questioned it. Emily began to examine her choices in light of God's holiness.
0: I knew my attraction for women was real. I knew that it had been there since I was a kid. But as I was studying about God and His Word, I was beginning to wonder if it were possible for both to be true. For God to call us to obey Him in spite of the feelings I had? And was this really something that had to mark me, that had to be my identity? Or was it a behavior that I could just not do?
1: Emily was beginning to realize that she had been trying to fit God into her plans. Her view of Him had been small, and it wasn't lining up with what she was reading in the Bible.
0: I was the center of my universe, And so God was only as real as he fit with me. And at this point I'm questioning, how right are you about who you are? (laughs) Because this God seems pretty big and pretty important, more so than me at that point. But I was still pushing back. Believing what the Bible says about God and sin was the most inconvenient thing at the time for me. I was not at all seeking to to obey Him. So I looked to my best friend, who's also in the lifestyle, also smoking weed, in the same boat I'm in, and I said, what if those Christians, the ones that believe that we're to obey the Bible, what if they're right? What if this is really a problem? And she told me that she didn't want to talk about it. And I said, I can't think about anything else anymore. If this is a problem, I need to know now. You need to know now. And if this is okay, being in the lifestyle, if it's okay, I need to know. Because I don't have any peace in it right now.
1: And she left. That same night, Emily did something that was out of character. She picked up the book she had been reading at her aunt's Bible study. That book is The Real God by Chip Ingram.
0: That night, I was reading about what the author calls a salad bar religion. And that's where you pick and choose a little bit of what you want, maybe some new age stuff. And that's your religion. That's your God. And of course, that's not Christianity at all. That's following yourself under a different name. And I realized that that was exactly what I was doing. This book eerily described me. That night, I didn't even have a Bible In my apartment, I googled the verses on homosexuality, and I came across 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11.
1: This is what Emily read. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God.
0: And these were verses that I had twisted before. I had argued them so many times. And as I read them that night, they were black and white. I couldn't have read them to mean anything but what they really mean. And I was so first convicted convicted that I lived in sin, convicted that I would professed His name while doing it the whole time, and then met with so much love and mercy that He would let me live long enough to come to that understanding, that I deserved condemnation, and I really believed it for the first time, not just I'm a sinner, but I felt the weight of my sin and I understood I don't deserve anything from this God, but bad. And despite all of my foolishness, He brought me here and made this clear as day where I couldn't see it otherwise and was saving me, despite me.
1: Emily was finally beginning to see and understand God's truth and His grace. She knew she had to turn from her sin and accept Jesus Christ through faith, no matter what it cost her.
0: When I realized that my whole life I'd sinned against Him. Not just with girls, but everything. Nothing was done for God. It was for me and my glory. When I realized that, and that He was still extending mercy to me, I was done with it. I was done with everything that I knew was sin. And I had no idea what my life was going to be like as a result of it. I figured I'd probably be alone and have like 30 cats. And I was fine with that. That God would love me and show me mercy was more than enough. I didn't want anything else from Him. April the 9th was the night that I, in a practical way, turned from much of the sin I was in and left it there. I still struggle with sin today. I hear we always will. But I didn't want it anymore. There were only a few people That I had to stop engaging with Um, people that I'd been really close to in relationships that I knew it wouldn't be wise for me to spend a whole lot of time with, especially early in my walk. But pretty much everybody else left.
1: Emily had been born again, and in a lot of ways, that meant starting over. She found a new identity and a new community in Christ. And when the time was right, God gave her the courage to share her story. Now she does that often all over the country. And God has added a new chapter to her story in recent years. Emily is married to a man. Her husband, Ben, is a police officer, and the two of them are serving God together.
0: I didn't know if I'd ever have feelings like that for a guy. And I was content with that. I was content with whatever the Lord wanted for me. But then I met Ben, and he loved the Lord like I did. And he desired to understand the Lord and obey him like I did. I knew really early I wanted to do this walk with him. I knew I'd be a better Christian alongside him than I had been on my own, which was pretty compelling. The Lord saw it fit to give me a husband like Ben to do this life with. And I never expected that to happen.
1: It's not been an easy path for Emily. As she shares her story, she faces opposition from those who hate her and her message. But Jesus said this would happen to his followers.
0: I lost friends when I came out as gay. And I lost a lot of friends when I came out as a Christian. But those relationships don't matter. They don't last. Your relationship with the Lord, how does he see you? Does he look on you with forgiveness and mercy? Or is there still wrath between the two of you? That matters. All the rest is fleeting.
1: If you'd like God to look on you with the mercy and forgiveness that Emily Thomes just mentioned, we can help. Visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net, and we have a link to that site in our show notes. In just a minute, Emily's going to talk about a big misconception a lot of followers of Christ have about same-sex attraction. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic
2: Association. Yes, you can have pleasure in sin, in getting drunk on drugs, at a sex orgy. You can have pleasure, but it's short. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. Billy Graham. Now the Bible teaches that sex is not a sin. God gave it, it's a gift from God. It's the wrong use of sex that's the sin. Paul said, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Peter said, for the time past we walked in lust excess of wine, revelings, and abominable idolatries. We're all born with the seed of sin in our hearts. We've all broken God's law. We all deserve judgment and we deserve hell. But that's why Jesus Christ came. God loves you. And if you were the only person in the whole world, God would love you. And He would love you so much that He would give His Son to die on the cross for you even if you were the only person that had sinned against him. In spite of our sins, in spite of our bad things, God loves us. And God is willing to forgive you of
1: all your sins. If you'd like to know more about God's willingness to forgive you of all your sins, visit us online at findpeacewithgod.net. That's find peace with God. We've been hearing Emily Thomes share her story of redemption in Christ. She speaks all over the country at churches, conferences, and other events, and she often encounters the same list of misconceptions about homosexuality, including some things she used to believe before she encountered Christ.
0: Whenever people would talk to me before about my sin, before I knew the Lord, I would tell them that I had prayed to not feel that way anymore but it was still there, so that must mean that God's okay with it. That must mean that it's all right. But that's not supported by what Scripture says at all. Me desiring sin continually just evidences all the more my need for forgiveness and a new heart, not that it's approval from God. Coming to Christ does not mean that He's eradicated your desires for sin, and we know that with other sin. We know that with adultery or drunkenness or lying, we know that. But we treat homosexuality differently. We view it like people need to be cured or healed versus repentant.
1: Today, God's using Emily to minister to people in a couple of ways. One, to encourage those who are caught up in sin. And second, to help followers of Christ who want to know how to reach out in love to their friends and family who are caught up in sin. We want to thank Emily for sharing her story with us on this episode of GPS. I'm Phil Fleischman. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. It is.